Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Today I have Shirag. Oh my gosh, man. We just went over the last name and I'm going to butcher it. Say your last name one more time, Shirag. Shamasian. Shamasian. See, I mean, I think most people in my shoes would have done horrible. What's the worst one you ever gotten? Oh my gosh. Um, so at my college graduation, you know how they, you know, call you up to the stage yeah. um, and to, ha- you know, shake your hand and you take a photo with the dean or whatever. Yeah. I remember um, I had to write down the way it's pronounced, you know, yeah. not you, the name is the way it's spelled. The name is pronounced. So I provided the information to them and, uh, you know, the dean or whoever it was, the professor on stage was like, Shiraj Shimoji. <laughs> and i remember my brother you know he had his like camera out yeah. and um you know he was ready for his photo op and i saw him drop the camera and say what and he missed <laughs> the photo op but that's a story um but as far as uh, another one good one was uh, for my first name out of jamba juice i spelled out the name yeah. um and then she typed seven letters i'm like oh boy what's this gonna be and she said uh she long so that's another that's another gem uh the um where's the the last name from armenian armenian is uh are you you're are you from uh armenia are you your parents from where are you guys from originally yeah so we're ethnically fully armenian my parents were actually born and raised in lebanon um and so they came here to the states in the late 70s uh during the lebanese civil war but i was born in los angeles and now i live in san diego so when i saw the road to growth thing come out i was like oh i recognize the skyline so (laughs) do you um a question i mean because i I know for myself you know i have a very hispanic name and sometimes i get basically people mess it up a little bit i just kind of go with the flow and i really mean it doesn't really bother me at all do you ever see your parents growing up did they ever like take pride in their, their, their last name and get like offended because someone said it wrong or did that ever happen or no? I think we, I think we had low expectations growing up. I still have low expectations. So, um, you know, like for, you know, I'll put it this way. I don't, um, like when people ask what it is, I don't, um, I used to give like, uh, you know, at a Starbucks, I would say like Sam or something like that. I now say my name. Um, and if people can't pronounce it, I, I get it. I don't hold them to it. I mean, my wife can't quite say it perfectly. Right. So, um, I understand that it's just, you know, tough for people and I'm not holding anybody to a higher standard than her. Right. Uh, with, <laughs> with the name, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think less than offended, I think, um, we're just proud of the name and we don't like shy away from saying it the way it's meant to be said. And, and we recognize that some people will struggle with it. So it is what it is. Well, we didn't have you to come on here for your name. We had you come on here because you run a consulting thing and I, I mean, this this podcast is really about entrepreneurship, and I always it's always an interesting battle um, or debate, I guess, right? Where people go, okay, well, schooling helps you get the game plan and the structure together, so you can build your own business. Other people say, well, no, you need the hard knocks lives and kind of work it there. And and you being here, a consultant, and kind of helping people go through school, uh, kind of push through. What's your take on, I guess, schooling in general and and what your company does. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think uh, sometimes, you know, when I talk to people, um, 
about the work that I do. And people tend to have very strong opinions about like the importance of like college and graduate school. I think these days more than ever, especially there's a lot of like entrepreneurship and people doing their like side hustles and whatnot. And they come in hot sometimes, Vinny, and they're like, I bet you think everyone should go to, you know, these schools. And I'm like, actually, no, um, my my personal take is like, so at the graduate school level, which is where we focus more, actually, we, most of our work is in the medical school admission space. We help people become doctors and get into medical school. My thing is always like, go to graduate programs if essentially you need that degree to do what you want to do. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that education, um, you know, higher education beyond high school is necessarily the right move for people who are just like floating and don't know what to do next or have no idea or whatnot. It's not just the time. It's not an opportunity to just like buy time. Um, so if you want to be a physician, you got to go to medical school. If you want to be a lawyer, you have to go to law school and stuff like that. At the same time, and, and I get it, and people like to point to examples. Well, I know so-and-so, they dropped out of you know college and Mark Zuckerberg. I'm like, yeah, but how many Mark Zuckerbergs are there, number one? But like, if you look at averages, people who go to college and get college degrees, on average, over the course of their lifetimes, do much better financially. People who get a master's degree do even better than that from an earning standpoint, et cetera. So there is clear value from, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a network standpoint, all that kind of stuff. Does that mean I think that every single person needs to get X, Y, and Z degrees? I don't. Um, but for certain things, it's important. Like for my work, you know, it's different. I'm not, you know, I don't run a plumbing company. If I was running a plumbing company, it would be a very different story. I don't necessarily need to go to college, although it can help me with some of the management skills. Um, in my work, it's actually critical because, you know, everyone on our team is, you know, has an advanced degree or is on their way to it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's because we're helping other people do it. So it would be strange in my world for us to not have that kind of training. Um, and I guess for the work that I do, it's critical. And for the people that we support, they're trying to do it so they could do a certain job. So for them, it's critical. That's my that's my take. I hope it clarifies. No, and I think that's a great take. I think I think when, when it's with anything we talk about, when there's a blanket statement that goes yeah. out that everyone <laughs> needs to do this or no one needs to do this, yeah, yeah, for yeah. me, I wrong. shut off. I just yeah, don't, yeah. I'm not listening to whatever's going on anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. Growing up, um, how do you look at academics? Did you have a, I mean, what were your, your goals, aspiration when we we're talking about a young Chirag? Yeah, I mean, so I was, um, you know, it's interesting. My parents came here, like I said, war torn Lebanon. Um, and my dad, the way they basically escaped was my dad got into a master's program. So they lived in like, like East St. Louis, right? So they came here like cold weather. They're like, we don't know anybody here. You know, I think they literally did have a few hundred dollars in their pocket. You know, I know everyone says that, but I think that was actually the case for them. Um, so they were just hustling, right? And so after did his master's, they moved to LA. My dad was doing his PhD at UCLA. And so for I think for them, education was like a, a literal ticket out of their situation. And so when we were growing up, my brother and me, he's three years older than me. Um, you know, they basically just talked about like, you're going to go to college, you're going to become a doctor, dancer, that kind of thing. It was almost like a like you're going to eat lunch today. Like it was just like a thing like, oh, I'm going to eat lunch. Of course, I'm going to eat lunch today. So for us um, and I. You know, I think I took it for granted back then, but I think that's a good thing in the sense that like there was never really we never even thought there was an alternative. Um, and and so for us, it was such a foundational part of our life where our parents talked about it like it was a, a necessity, just a given in life. Um, so I did. I never entertained the idea that I wouldn't go. And uh, and I think 
And I think that was really valuable because I never, you know, we never took our foot off the gas um, with those kinds of things. And um, and we didn't really have the luxury. I know some people like take time to, you know, take a gap year or, or quote unquote, find themselves or whatever it is for us. Um, I mean, my parents were also like, we we're very solidly middle class. So we didn't have, you know, the resources to, to do whatever. Um, and so we were just basically like, you know, go to school, get a job with benefits and all that kind of stuff. And I think that was cool in some ways, like I described, you know, because they were looking for stability in this country. They wanted us to have that. At the same time, there was some downside because they didn't know how to actually do it. I was like, cool, mom, like uh, I'm going to apply to school now. They're like, oh, figure it out. We didn't go to school in this country. Like, so it was like that there was the expectation, but not actually the guidance on how to get there, uh, which looking back was actually the genesis of what I do now. Like I went to a small Armenian private school in Los Angeles, really nothing fancy. Um, and for at my school, like the success was you go to, you know, a great school in Los Angeles, like a UCLA or USC. And, uh, you know, we had heard of other schools like Stanford exists and Harvard exists. And but like there was basically no one going. I think in my high school's history, two people went to Stanford. I'm the only person who went to an Ivy League school. And that's about it. So there was all these like, well, you know, you're Armenian, stay local, stay with the family. If you have other aspirations, well, you're kind of weird. B, we certainly don't know how to help you get there. Um, and so I was self-taught with the process. And, you know, when I got in, people started asking me for, you know, for help and they were getting in. And, and then I was, you know, studying for myself to get into medical school. I, I pivoted and eventually did my PhD in clinical psychology. I was pre-med the whole time in college. But, you know, learning to fend for myself in that sphere actually taught me the skills that I needed to help others. And that's literally what I do full time now. So the whole idea of like being encouraged and expected to do it but given no tools to do it actually forced me to develop the tools. Um, so it was like frustrating at the time and looking back at it, I laugh, but it really was like the necessity is the, you know, mother of invention situation. And that's, that's basically what, what got me here today. So it was a combination of, you know, being trained, but also hard knocksy, you know, like, like you said earlier the the flow of school and then going to corporate world what were what were your goals what were your aspirations by going to school what were your plans after yeah so initially like i said i was um you know initially i thought i would be an nba player you know i was like six years old you know playing on the hard top uh realized pretty quickly like eight nine years old i'm like i don't look like those dudes um so i was like i need to find another career opportunity um, so my brother always wanted to be a doctor. I always liked science and helping people. And so I wanted to be a physician for years and years. And I went to Cornell and had done very, very well there. Um, and But I was doing a lot of mental health research at the time. And I myself grew up with Tourette syndrome. And so I decided instead of doing my MD, I decided to get my PhD in clinical psychology to more immediately impact people who are you know struggling with various mental health conditions. And, uh, and that's what I went to school for. So initially to, you know, be pre-med and all that kind of stuff. And then I did my PhD in, in psychology. And, um, you know, for some time, I was helping people with the admissions process for many, many years. Um, right after grad school, um, I was actually working, uh, you know, I was actually seeing patients in practice. And I was, you know, building psychological tests and things like this. Um, but I found that, you know, the impact I was having in the admission space and helping people um, and also where my passion was following sort of drew me more and more to the admission space. And I've been doing it full time now for, for several years. So you're helping friends, helping family. Were, were you charging any of these people 
uh, on that or was it just simply hey you know what i know how to do it let me walk you through it yeah years and years it was labor of love um you know so i yeah i i worked a lot for for free for sure um and you know it, it turned into first it was like friends and family and then someone tells their cousin cousin tells the friend whatever all this kind of stuff and i was like okay um, you know, I'll, what ended up happening. And again, I didn't go into this, like thinking one day I'll have an organization that does this professionally. Like, I don't know any kids who talk about one day I'm going to be in admissions. Cause I'll, so it's not something that you necessarily like have a long-term vision to get into. It's something that when you develop an interest over doing it over time, it can turn into something more. And, uh, what, what really I think was the turning point. I mean, there've been a lot of turning points. I'm sure you know this too, as you know, someone who, you know, works hard and, does entrepreneurial work. I think one of the biggest turning points was I was finding myself giving a lot of similar advice to different people, right? Like you have to write your essay in this way or that way. And I remember a point where I was like, God, I wish there was something out there. Like just like send someone a link and they can read it before they talk to me just so they have a foundation. So I don't have to start from zero. And I was like, this stuff isn't that good. It's like, you know, three tips to whatever like if it's like you know three tips to sell your home it's like it's so much more complex than that and i want to give people something more meaty and i started you know writing about him and and then the the big turning point for me Vinny, was i remember getting a few like emails and calls from random people it wasn't anymore like a cousin's friend or a friend of a friend it's like hey i was like who are like who are you how did you find me and they're like, oh, I just saw, saw one of your blogs online. I was like, what? Like, I thought like you just write them and I was going to send those to people so I can give them a foundation. I was like, and then I saw things on Google. I'm like, oh, like that's how stuff goes on Google. They just like, they have an algorithm that selects it. I was very naive. I had no formal business training. I still don't, you know, I've never gotten an MBA or anything like that. And so I was like, okay, let me study this stuff. And then we got more intentional about writing and growing, um, you know, those resources. And, and now we're very well known for those. But that was really the turning point where essentially I could reach more people um, with content that I had, you know, that lived here, but now I was putting it on paper. And, uh, and that just really changed the game. And that has had a tremendous snowball effect. Now we do YouTube videos and all this kind of stuff. But it really started from this place of like, I just want to give people more free stuff before we talk. Yeah. When, when I've talked to other people in the past and they transition from giving something away to actually charging for it, there definitely becomes a transition where they have either a coach or someone else that kind of walks them through and make sure that they know it's okay to do that. Was there anything like that for yourself where you go, okay, I need to start charging for this or I, I have the ability to start charging for this? Yeah. Um, so the start charging for this, um, it's that happened without a specific mentor or anything like that. I was just like reading a bunch of, um, you know, the first sort of book I read on like personal growth and entrepreneurship, whatever was rich dad, poor dad, which is a very famous book. And, um, people, some people love it. Some people don't like it regardless. It was sort of the thing that triggered the interest in this world. And, you know, that book, I remember there was an index of bo books, that he recommended Robert Kiyosaki. And one of them was like, how to win friends and influence people. I read that. And then I read all these other ones, think and grow rich, whatever. There are a bunch of these kinds of books. Um, and I remember I was like, okay, this is like really cool. I've always like want to do my own thing. I don't know what it's going to be. I was like, oh, like I'm already doing this thing. And when I started the business, I, you know, I'm going to put started and started the business. It was literally like an email I sent to my parents one night on like a Tuesday. 
I was like, hey, mom, dad, I have a business now. I had no business name. I had no website. I was like, but if you know anyone, you know, like I charge now. It was something super lame like that. And and so it wasn't until a while after, you know, started the website. Um, and, you know, my wife's friend, like basically gave me a Squarespace account. She's like, do this thing. Um, and I started writing about it. And, and I was charging, but it was like very, like it was very, I didn't know what to charge. I didn't know what to write about. I didn't know how to do anything. Um, another turning point, you know, speaking of those, um, was a gentleman named Ramit Sethi, who's pretty big name now. Um, you know, he's big in the spaces of like personal finance and growing an online business and online courses and what have you. And so I signed up for, you know, I got on one of his email newsletters. It led me down this funnel and I signed up for a course. I remember I paid $2,000 for it. It was like one of the scariest purchases I had ever made. I asked my wife, I'm like, should I buy this? I don't know. Like 2000 is a lot. She's like, just buy it, whatever. Um, and, and that was a life changer for me because it actually gave me structure for how to work, right? For what to produce, how to produce it collecting like sim stuff that like sounds so simple right now but at the time i was like oh my gosh i knew i knew none of this so you know like having an email newsletter how to send folks messages get them interested in what you can offer and what have you and how to i don't know lead a sales call and what to actually offer people and whatnot so that was a huge turning point for me and you know i've met ramit now on several occasions super nice guy um i always talk about how influential he's been in my life um but then other you know i i find that every step of the way there have been different people like i've had mentors for different things for writing i've now had mentors for how to balance uh work life and family life you know as as i've become married and uh, i now have a three-year-old son and so there are different and you know spiritual mentors you know to as a, as a christian you know how do i you know be be a great steward of this business and my family and so i just find that yes there were specific elements of my business where i had mentorship uh, but then as as my work has grown, I found other things to like be really valuable and places I need to invest my time as well. Have you ever had the, the wrong mentor? You know, I've been fortunate where I don't recall having a wrong mentor. Um, what was a what was an important realization for me, Vinny, was that one mentor is likely not going to meet all of your mentorship needs. So like, uh, you know, I might have a mentor who, I don't know, who's an amazing person at teaching me marketing or something like that. But maybe I don't want, but maybe I don't agree, you know, with other aspects of stuff they talk about, personal life stuff, spiritual life stuff, whatever. I can have a mentor in my spiritual life who would be maybe a terrible entrepreneur or like whose advice is not good. So for me, I think what was a really valuable realization is that, there isn't one person who's like, you know, whose footsteps I necessarily want to follow in, in every single way. There are some people that, you know, check more of those boxes for me than others. So I've just found, you know, what I think about a lot is like, what is my relationship to this person? I believe that they can teach me so much about X and I can actually give back to them in this way. But in this other area of my life, it's not someone that I'm necessarily going to follow, right? And so I encourage people to think deeply about that because we all have our strengths and weaknesses. I'm sure there are people who might ask me for advice uh, on a certain thing, but like, you don't want me to teach you piano. I I'm giving you a silly example just to make the point, but but that applies. You know, don't think that one person is going to solve it all for you or help you with everything. What What's your roadmap of finding a mentor? So is it, okay, here's the problem I have. 
I need to put this out into the world, or do you have a platform you go to talk to people? What's your 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 process look usually look like? Yeah, a lot of my mentors, I mean, they've come from two primary ways, right? One is me identifying an issue um, and seeing if there's someone out there, you know, who can help me, you know, Googling someone, finding someone, get getting coaching or a course or whatever the case might be. Um, another way I've done it is talking to another mentor about my needs. And oftentimes they'll think through in their network who they know. And, you know, growing up in a super like middle class family, it's not like I my parents are both educators. You know, my my dad's a a professor. My mom's a retired teacher. So it's not like we had access to like these. Oh, you want you know, you want an entrepreneur that can help you scale a company like I know the guy like they didn't know the guy, you know. And so initially it was more like through my own searching and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, as you grow and have new opportunities, you you meet different people, uh, which is really cool. And. Like I remember um, there's there's a gentleman who was a very successful businessman. He's um, I don't know his exact age, but I assume he's in his 70s. And the reason I met him is because I was actually talking to my pastor at church about how it's very hard within the church to find uh, a mentor who understand who, you know, who's Christian, but also understands the demands of a of a growing company. And how do you balance that with uh, with your spiritual life and family life and all this kind of stuff? Because a lot of times in my church, it's like, well, like, you know, focus on this. But I'm like, but you don't even know what this other aspect of my life is like. And so he said, you know, I know a guy who goes to this other sister church of ours. He's actually like super successful in his work life. And he, you know, he's the father of, you know, several sons and he's very well regarded in the community. So I was introduced to him in that way. So I think being open to talk about your issues with other people you trust can oftentimes trigger ideas in other people of, oh, I should hook you up with this person. In, in building this brand and kind of, I, I guess, building your knowledge base and building this band, what have been some of the, the biggest hurdles, hiccups you've had to kind of over, overcome? A lot of it was, you know, probably self-doubt uh, is a huge one. Uh, and another one is, you know, lack of know-how, right? Like when you're when you're shooting videos or something like that, like if I look at, I've now, I've since corrected them, but for instance, there are like know-how issues, right? When I used to write blogs, they were super lame. Like when I look back and so there were times when I had to go back and correct all these issues because as I learned, you know, our newer stuff was really good. And then our older stuff had some generic language. So you have to, you know, I had to go back and, you know, address errors and all that kind of stuff. Um, So that was a big, a big know-how thing. I mean, other big challenges include again the balance thing like when when you're when you get married and you have kids and all this kind of stuff you actually have more personal things to tend to and if that's happening at the same time where your business is growing it's like you're now having to it's like it's not like the hours in your day change so how do you actually you know address all these issues so i've had to learn how to hire how to train which is a whole different thing which is super difficult uh, to do. Um, and, and then other things, I mean, that's what it really comes down to. Those two areas, I think for me have been some of the biggest challenges and then self-doubt, like I said, you know, this, this idea of like, well, I'm not a bit, you know, that's not where I come from. Like, I don't have those parents. I didn't have the training. No one taught me. I never went to business school, whatever those, you know, those, those voices holding you back. Or if you don't meet a certain goal, you know, coming up with an excuse about like, well, of course I wouldn't because X, Y, and Z and trying to explain it away rather than saying, you know, how am I, 
how am I going to make it happen? Not can I make this happen, right? And so sort of those mindset shift, excuse me, mindset shifts and growing up middle class and thinking like, you know, do I deserve, you know, this level of financial success or this, you know, being able to make this level of impact for people? Because I don't know, that's not where I came from. And I think it's okay. Like, this is a good spot to stop. You know, these kinds of voices, I think, come up time and time again. But that's something I've had to, you know, grow past. When you're talking about the the balance of personal and business, and you're talking about realizing that maybe your your previous stuff or early stuff is not as good as your current stuff, was that more of self-realization or was that someone else bringing it to your attention or what happened for those things? Self. I think my, you know, as, as you learn more, your eyes open up uh, to things, right? Because I couldn't see, like, obviously, if when I was initially developing content, if I thought it was generic, I wouldn't have done it that way. Mm-hmm. I just thought that's how you do it, right? But as you, as you level up, essentially, in a certain area, and then you're like, all right, like it's, and then you grow, your standards change and your expectations change. You're like, I can't operate at, you know, let's call it level two now that I'm at level four or whatever. And so, but you also have to have the expectations for yourself because some people might say, man, it's good enough, move on, whatever. But you have to say like, no, no, no. It's not just for, you know, eventual customers and stuff like that. I know this is not my best work and I'm essentially cheating myself if I let this stay the way it is. Um, so I'm, I'm very hard on myself, which is good and bad, right? It's nice in terms of like never staying still. Um, it's bad in the sense that like sometimes I don't feel content with stuff. And, and that's something like a personal challenge that I've also had to work through. What do you think in, I don't know if a perfectionist or being hard on yourself, what the right word would be, but what do you think drives you or pushes you in that direction? I really don't know. Um, you know, it's just, I think part of it is like personality, uh, and I don't, but also, you know, I'm thinking through this as I talk about it. So, um, so thank you for, for offering the question. I think for me, it's sort of like, we've come to this point, you know, as far as having a whole different financial picture than my parents did having, you know, a whole different insight into entrepreneurship and, and what that can do for the world and for my family and what have you. At this point, it's almost like we came too far to go back. Mm. And that drives me. It's almost like I would be a poor steward of the organization if I didn't keep pushing myself. I feel like it would be a disservice to myself, to my family, to the students we help, to the other members of our team, if I just said, okay, this is good enough, I'm just going to stop. And that's, I don't know where that comes from or why I think that way, um, but that's that's my experience. Well, talking about not stopping and kind of pushing forward, if we're, let's say we're talking in five years from now, where are you going to be? Where's your brand? Where's your company going to be? Part of that I know, part of that I don't know. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially when things, uh, when you're experiencing growth, uh, your organization can look different every year. It could look different every six months. It can grow. It can look different every quarter. And I've had experiences where, you know, the company didn't look the way it did three to six months ago. Um, I mean, as far as what I'm currently thinking a lot about. So we've done things, you know, other than the content we've produced, which there's a ton of content. There's literally hundreds of guides online and tons of videos online. We've been doing it every week for multiple years now. And 
for me, it's like, okay, we're reaching a lot of people through one-on-one -on -one support uh, and we're doing a great job at that. Our students' acceptance rates are stellar. Now the, the question for me is not just like how many students can we support through one-on-one -on -one stuff? It's how many, how can we support more students, period? Because I truly believe in the service we offer. So we're working on more, uh, you know, products that can reach more people, uh, potentially at a lower investment, whether it's courses and things like that, that are self-guided stuff. That's been very valuable for me uh, in growing my organization. Um, but then also we've been doing a lot more pro bono work. We've been offering scholarships. We announced a couple months back a diversity initiative where we pledged $100,000 over the next 12 months to help students from low-income backgrounds and, you know, uh, ethnic minority backgrounds and things like that with educational achievement. So my my question is always how can we serve more people some of that is paid right like we'll earn more by serving more people and all that kind of stuff and some of it is truly sacrificial where we're like i'm gonna get no more income from this in fact i'm gonna pay out more and so i'd like for us to um get to a point Vinny, where we're just helping more and more people and you know if that you know if uh, additional revenue follows great um, and if it's sacrificial, great. You know, I just want to make sure that students out there have the information that I didn't have when I was growing up that has, you know, been previously res been reserved for people who can just, you know, pay money to get it or what have you. Uh, and that's what's really driving me these days. It's like, I, you know, we've done the one-on-one -on -one thing. We're going to continue to do it. We love it. We're good at it. But that's not as motivating, right? Like in terms of like, let's help x many more people through one-on-one -on -one. like it's cool i want to help as many people but i think there's a whole you know group of people in our society that we're not able to reach um with with the services that we're offering today that i'd like to reach and i'll finish off with this question and i appreciate all the time you provided uh beyond the platform is there something or is there an idea or something to think about that maybe students don't think about when they're looking to apply for a higher education? Is there something that kind of that you kind of always see yourself reminding them, hey, have you thought about this or looking at this, anything like that? I oftentimes, yeah. So when I get questions like this or not questions like the one you asked, but I often get questions from students where they're essentially limiting themselves. Like there's like a lot of self-limiting beliefs, right? Where students won't apply to certain schools because they're like, nah, you know, they're not going to accept people like me anyway. And I want people to ask more, what if? What if? Because I hate wondering what if. I hate not doing something and being like, what if I had? You know, if I hadn't applied, if I stayed, you know what? People in my community, they go to these schools. They're very good schools. And that's where we are. That's where we will stay. It's not, it, it wouldn't have pushed me to, you know, seek stuff outside of that. Or, you know, I have a good job with benefits. This is fine. No, like you have to ask, well, what if, what if I did start an organization? Okay, maybe the idea is not perfect. Maybe I don't know how to do it, but what if I learned, right? Like, so I think that it's really critical for students to ask themselves that, like, okay, now I don't know if I'm going to do this. I don't know if I'm going what, to, what's the worst, like truly the, what's the worst that can happen? And I just want people to think less about safety and, you know, their safety nets and whatever, and to think about, well, what if, like, what's the worst? What if, what if, well, what if it worked out? Because everyone's always thinking about what if it doesn't work? I'm like, well, what if it does, you know? And, and, and if people can, you know, shift that frame, um, I think good things will come out of it.
Yeah, I mean, I think the worst case scenario is you get told no and you spend a little extra time putting an application out there. So, I mean, it's, I guess the simple idea of just asking what if. And thank you, Shirag, for being here. Hopefully everyone listening got some great nuggets. If you know someone that's looking to get into higher education, get into schooling and needs help, needs assistance, all Shirag's information will be in the show notes. Please go take a look at his platform. Thank you again for being here on the Road to Road podcast. Please share, please subscribe, and tell your friends. Thanks, Shrug. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.